You're listening to The Kelly Track Show. I'm your host, Kelly Track, author, coach, and eternal optimist. Each week, I'll give you lessons to elevate your life, reclaim your personal power, and truly awaken and transform. Your best life starts right now. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode today with Dr. Ezzy Spencer. It is so amazing. I feel like it's really hitting home at a point in my life when I kind of need this reminder around, you know, giving myself the permission to change things up and to dream a bigger dream and to listen to the hollerings of my heart. So I really hope that this message is divinely timed for you as well in your life and it, you know, hits home exactly when you need to hear it. So this episode is so special. Make sure you have a pen as he drops some major nuggets of wisdom and you want to make sure you got a good pot of tea going because you're going to want to cozy on up with us for the hour. It is, it's a really good chat. Now, one quick thing before we get going, I have made you a super fun little quiz. It is called What's Your Zone of Genius? So I have had over 600 people take this quiz. Ever since I launched it, you guys are like eating this thing up like crazy. Um, It's been really popular and I am so excited to share it with you. If you haven't figured out, you know, what you want to do, what you want to sell, what you want to create a business around, let me please help you. Or maybe if you already have a business, but you want to like tweak it a little bit and make a little bit more money, a little more ka-ching-ka-ching, it's all about finding your zone of genius and monetizing it. This is the work I'm known for. This is what I teach in my course, Your Conscious Empire. This is what I preach about from the tops of the mountains, Find, find your genius, build a business around. It. And if you want to figure out what your zone of genius is, come take my free quiz. It's totally free. And when you're done, I will give you a free five page report that's totally customized to your results and what you picked. And I break down what your zone of genius is, how you can build a business around it, what you can sell based on your genius, how to market it in a way that's articulated to your genius. Um, it's five pages long and it's totally free. And I spent a lot of time making it. And a lot of you guys are like obsessed with it. So it means whatever I did is working. <laughs> so if you want to take the quiz, it's at kellytrack.com genius. That's kellytrack.com slash genius. Now, moving back to today's episode, I want to share with you a little bit about Dr. Ezzy Spencer, her story, and how she got here. So if you are brand new to her work, this is a little bit of the dates of her life. So Dr. Ezzy Spencer is a best-selling author and coach living in New York City. Starting out as a lawyer in Australia, Dr. Ezzy worked in the area of women's safety, which led her to complete a PhD in emotional well-being after domestic abuse. During her doctorate, she started personally coaching women on well-being. First through her coaching and then also her books, talks, retreats, and online platforms, Dr. Essie has supported tens of thousands of women around the world to heal and harness their personal power. She specializes in helping women find love after toxic relationships so they can rebuild epic self-confidence, rekindle their optimism about the future, and finally find the courage to put themselves back out there and attract real love. Now, Ezzy is also the author of Lunar Abundance, which is a book all about how to cultivate joy, peace, and purpose by using the phases of the moon. And she has a new reflective journal that's now out, which is the companion to her Lunar Abundance book. P.S. Both are totally gorgeous. So that is Ezzy, and let's get to the show. All right, well, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, Ezzy. It's so good to be here, Kelly. Yay. So I have some little rapid fire Q&A for you before we get going. So are you game for a little rapid fire round? Bring it on. Amazing. Okay. Favorite crystal. (laughs) I have a beautiful little orange citrine crystal, which my friend Jess Lively gave to me, which I love. I keep it by my bed and it just makes me feel so happy every time I look at it. Oh, I love that so much. Citrine is like one of my favorites. The color, the energy. That's such a beautiful one. And then are you a coffee person or a tea person? 
Oh, I love both. Can I say that? Yeah, of course. Of course. I love the ritual of the morning drink. Yes. Oh my gosh. Morning drink. Like it's not a morning unless you have a hot drink. That's for sure. And then what's your favorite restaurant in New York right now? I would say that's probably Olea in Fort Greene, which is such a lovely neighborhood in Brooklyn. And it's just one of those really cozy kind of like it's, I mean, I'm not sure, um, you know, what the word is for it in America for that kind of like little neighborhood restaurant. There's, I mean, it just feels so good. You know, it's candlelit. It like has yummy pastas and salads and it just feels amazing. Oh, I love that. Those kinds of places are the best. Like when they have good ambiance, having good ambiance is like half of a good restaurant <laughs> and then are you an early bird or a late owl well I mean I think that naturally I tend to become a late owl but I'm trying to be an early bird a bit of a lark in 2020 and it's going okay I'm trying to get up early it's really good early you get a lot done <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I know. I feel like I'm the same where I, I, I am like kind of a late owl by default. I like to stay up late, but I always try, <laughs> I try to be an early bird and I don't know. I feel like I was better at it before and now I'm like reverting back to just being a late owl. So that's good that you're trying in 2020. <laughs> exactly. Check back in with me in a couple of months. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> totally. Totally. So what's a book that you recently read and loved? I just read um, Patty Smith's memoir, Just Kids, about her relationship with Robert Mapplethorpe, who was a you know, famous photographer. And it was just a really beautiful love story in New York City, which is obviously where I live. And, um, you know, a totally different time, but a time of, you know, when two people really supporting each other and loving each other and engaging in like, you know, creativity and, and the rise and the, you know, and the fall, but is it going to be a, that big success? And, 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 and that actually not being what was really driving them, but a deep connection to the actual creative, artistic, musical process was a really beautiful, really beautiful love story, actually. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And then what do you prefer, the full moon or the new moon? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to like cheat again and say both. I love them both, but for different reasons. It's like the new moon is that, you know, potential and possibility. What is going to come in this new moon cycle? And then the full moon is just that really great, um, you know, big climactic energy where there's always something very exciting that happens to me at the full moon because I work with the whole moon cycle. So yeah, they just have different flavors, but I love them both. Yeah. And I love that you picked both. I think, you know, that, that mindset of like the whole taking a stand for the and and choosing both versus like the E, the or, I think is always super key. And I, I love that. So I love that you said both to multiple questions. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I just want it all abundance, baby. <laughs> yes, definitely. Totally. Have the cake and eat it too. I agree with you. So one of the things I would love to chat with you today um, on the show is all about, you know, courage and change and pivots and moving directions. And I feel like this is something you've done so beautifully well and so gracefully. And I would, I would love to kind of talk about, you know, how you had the courage to really go for it and, and do it. And especially like making shifts in your life when you, when you felt like change was on the horizon. So 
you've made many career pivots just like myself you know you know from lawyer to moon goddess to supporting women release toxic relationships and you've recently had a very big move from bondi beach all the way to new york city and usually most people feel very nervous about pursuing something new and taking a new path so how did you have the courage to go for it and make the shifts and pivots when you felt them arising mm, gosh it's such a juicy question I mean, I'd say the the first aspect of it is around daring to dream. Mm. So, yeah, very connected on where it was that I wanted to go, but being very expansive in that dreaming process. So kind of activating my imagination and shooting for the stars, you know, as I, as I used to live in a small town in suburban Australia, you know, so it was such a, a big reach to think to move to New York City. But as a teenager, that just was something which I really, really desired. It felt like that would just be the most exciting place on the planet for me to live. Now, it took me a lot longer than I thought it would take for me to get to New York City, but I I gave myself that permission to dream, I suppose. Like I gave myself something which felt so exciting. So it wasn't just a mental thing. It was actually a deeply felt connection that I had with that star that I was aiming for um, and felt very, you know, activated and tingly, like the physical sensations of that feeling of, of excitement and inspiration, I think is, is very motivating in the first instance, you know, but I mean, that's the, that's the really sort of exciting part at the beginning. Then of course there's the, the, the messy middle of them needing to, <laughs> move into the the actualization of that dream and a lot of the time that's where I think a lot of people can 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 fall short because it's great to have an an, an idea you know a lot of people don't actually even get to that idea stage right you know Mm -hmm. but once you're on that dream stage it's like that's just the first step you know you really need to take stand for what it is that you so desire and I feel like that's why it's so important to have that you know emotional physical feeling connection with what your desire is not to have some kind of like external socially acceptable measure of of success or achievement because whenever I've set those kind of goals or I've headed in those kind of directions or I've made those pivots or if that's been a motivator for me it's all always fallen flat you know I haven't been able to get myself there and I certainly haven't felt you know fulfilled at the point at which I've accomplished it so you know that deep connection with the why and the purpose and the feeling of where it is that I've wanted to go has always been part of that that motivating force and then another um you know, practice, which I find to be so helpful is the, uh, this might sound a little bit macabre, but it's the deathbed test. So I was Mm. really by the work of the, um, of the Australian palliative care nurse, Bronnie Ware, uh, who wrote a book called the five top regret of the dying. Mm. And up there, right up the top was that feeling of, I regret, you know, and they said sort of people on their deathbeds, you know, I regret that I didn't have the courage to lead the life that I really wanted to to lead and some variation upon, you know, I really regret that I didn't go for my dreams. And so in moments where I felt that I'm at a fork in the road, I've imagined that, you know, I'm 90 or 100, God willing, you know, I get Mm -hmm. to that age. 
my deathbed and I look back on two potential lives that I could have led, the life where I had made the decision to do the big, bold thing and I'd done the work required to, to get me to that place and lent into the magic and the serendipity of it, um, and the and the life where I chose the, the safe, comfortable road, which might have been, again, like maybe more socially acceptable in some respects. But there's always, I think, a feeling that I would have of contraction and, and, and again, like that regret that if I, if I had taken that safer path and hadn't actually taken the, the, the road towards, you know, what my, my dream had been. Mm, I love that so much. I, I totally agree with you. There's definitely like an, an energy. And I love that you use the word feeling. Like there's definitely a, an expansive feeling when you think about your, like your biggest dream or your highest vision or your deepest calling, there's this, this energy to it and this emotion and this feeling. And yeah, that, that deathbed test is so powerful because when you really think about it, you know, it really puts things into perspective, like on a day-to-day everyday spectrum, it can feel like making that sort of safer choice makes sense or is like the logical next step. But when you look at it from that different perspective of, you know, taking it out to being like 90 or a hundred, it really feels like almost like an obvious answer to go for it. So I love that you share that. Thank you for sharing that. That was so good. Yeah. It's fantastic perspective. For sure. For sure. How could you not take the path which is going to you know, have you all lit up and sparkly and energized and delighted and, and like you've really, really lived a good life? Yeah, I'm, I'm so with you. I totally agree. And, you know, sometimes like, I love how you talked about it being like the messy middle, because when you're in that phase and it can feel like, you know, things are kind of going left, right and center, every single different direction. And, and it can sometimes feel like when we are on our journey, kind of to our destiny or to our next point in our unfolding, it can feel like stuff is all over the place and we have no direction. But, you know, I've always loved when Steve Jobs said, you know, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. And, you know, you explained um, in one of your Instagram posts that you, that you're, human rights law and women's safety PhD and moon goddess work was actually all part of the same journey. And I thought that was so beautiful and well said. Can you touch on that a little bit more? Yeah. And I think it's such a good point because so many of my, the next steps that I've taken in my life have not been part of a grand strategy. That's just because like, that's just the next breadcrumb that's been revealed to me at that time. And it feels good and right to, to take that next step towards it. Um, but then looking back, I can really see how in my life and my career, I've come full circle and it's a really, really interesting thing. So I started out as, a, as you said before, like a completely different um, career as a, as a lawyer. And I worked more on the human rights side of the law, particularly looking at women's well-being after domestic violence that's what I did my PhD in and I also um, you know sort of worked in in public policy and and in government and um, in the NGO sector um, non-profit sector in Australia in that area as well and then I uh, had a you know career shift where I started to work more with the inner world and I started to you know this is the process into into what was originally a, a passion project which was to to talk about how I was finding a lot of ease and joy and flow through tracking the moon cycle and and starting to really reconnect with my intuition and my creativity and you know and my, and my sensuality and 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 really a connection 
connection to myself, my natural body rhythms and cycles and that kind of thing. So that was sort of what I was doing at night. So lawyer by day and moon goddess by, by moonlight. And life took me in a really unexpected direction because I ended up actually doing the, the, the moon work full time purely because people started to ask me, you know, well, how can I work with you? How can I book a session? Can you do events? Can you do workshops? Can you teach a course? And so the, the lunar work ended up becoming a, a global coaching business. I, it ended up taking me around the world. It ended up becoming a best-selling book. I've now worked you know, in various capacities with tens of thousands of women around the world. And so I started out in, in that one much more traditional career. I ended up working in a much more sort of magical, spiritual, creative career. But then uh, what I started to find as it came, you know, this is how it came full circle, was that so many of the women who were coming to me for support in terms of of really um, cultivating a sense of, of connection with themselves, a sense of being able to, to live in a really um, juicy, joyful, filled up way with health and vitality and a sense of purpose and joy. And, and they were feeling like that was something that was missing from themselves, that connection with themselves. As over time, uh, after working with the moon practice, they were able to, to really find that connection with themselves and activate, you know, that joy and that peace and that purpose and and to feel that sense of, of vitality and creativity and intuition and all of those things, then the ways that this started to show up was actually in relationship with others. And so women would come to me for, for help through... Um, you know, working with, you know, recovering from toxic relationships specifically or unhealthy relationship dynamics or wanting to find love after working, you know, through some of that recovery process. And so, you know, this is very, again, like a very organic process for me to start sort of coaching and serving people who were standing in front of me with the issue that they were, you know, coming to me for, for help with, not because I sat there and decided to start a, a business helping women specifically in this issue, but because women were already asking me for, for help and, and, and asking me for, um, you know, my guidance and support and healing on this issue. And so that's how my current specialty came about, which is my current program, Relove. And it was only really, you know, when I sort of was, was, was doing Relove, I looked back and I was like, oh gosh, it's just so obvious because of course I was doing this a decade ago, but in a very different context, you know, and here I am now working directly with women to help them with not just, you know, picking up the pieces after what had happened or working more on the justice side, which is what I did more in the legal perspective, you know, and, and, but really looking at, well, what, what might a life look like, you know, after you've gone through this process, having this, what can often be a huge rupture in your reality. If you, if you've had a toxic relationship, it can be extremely destructive, you know, but it throws so much up for your review and for your healing, which can then be a catalyst for tremendous transformation in your life. And so the women that I work with are able to, you know, really use what happened as, as rocket fuel to, to step back into life and create, you know, incredibly like beautiful, safe and healthy, um, you know, situations, uh, is so, which were so much, you know, better than, than what it was that they were, they were putting up with before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the work you do now is so beautiful. And I love, you know, what you said that, you know, when you look back, it kind of, it all makes sense and it's all obvious and it, it is so similar to the work you did right at the start. And I feel like that's such a, it's kind of almost like a funny little, almost like a joke the universe plays where, it, you know, you end up doing kind of what you've always loved to do all along or, you know, what you thought was, was sort of like your destiny when you're younger and like childhood, like 
we sometimes we write that stuff off as like, oh, that was me when I was younger or like in, you know, university or high school and those were younger dreams. But it's it ends up being when you follow the breadcrumbs, what you you do later in life. And like, it's sort of like your soul always knew. And I really resonate with that because that's kind of how I feel about my story because I had really abandoned um, like the business side of things for a good a good point, a good chunk of my life too. Cause I was like, I had my business school time. I had my tech startup time. And then I was like, I'm not doing any of this. I want to do like a health blog and, you know, healing. And I want to talk about mindset. And then it was all like, Hey Kelly, like, how'd you start this business? How'd you build this business? And it's, you know, it's always that organic thing where you, you kind of end up going right back to the start. So I love that you share, shared that story. And I, I really resonate with it. <laughs> yeah there's so many layers to, to our journeys through life and yeah it's, it's a lot of humor in it as well I think sometimes just to be like how did I miss something <laughs> totally held out to me <laughs> when you're in the thick of it it can um you know sometimes the most obvious things can pass us by it can be obvious to everyone else around us sometimes it might just take us a beat to to you know notice the water that we're swimming in for sure I so agree because I had one of my friends say like Kelly why don't you just do business coaching like you're good at this people ask you for this and I was like no 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 has to be something different and it's it's so true it's sometimes what's right there we totally miss so I also want to talk about you moving to New York City, which is so cool and such a big deal because this was something that was really near and dear to your heart and was a lifelong dream of yours and, you know, a dream that you had since you were 13. And I feel like when people actually do the things that they have always wanted to do, it really calls for a celebration and it's just so exciting, mostly because many people just never give them give themselves the permission to go for it. Um, and also because it takes a lot of courage and guts to say yes and do it and like have the dream and then make it real and materialize it. So you had shared in an Instagram post that I really loved about when you were younger, you had nightly dreams about New York City and the skyline. And it was almost like there was this beautiful sixth sense guiding you there. So I'm curious as to what the tipping point was in your journey when you kind of made the shift from like dreaming it to actually saying yes and, and going for it. Oh, it's a really good question. The actual tipping point. I think my book tour, which was at the start of 2018, was a moment for me in terms of, of that tipping point because I think so much of what I'd been doing in, in the lunar work over the years had been on the internet. And so when I toured the US in, in early 2018, I had the opportunity to come face-to-face with hundreds of readers. Uh, of of my book Lunar Abundance and I was able to see just how profoundly they were touched and affected by my work and I think that you know it's a it's 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 a fascinating thing you know the modern age when you can have such a such an impact in terms of scale of your work if you're if you're putting out content into the world but then not actually sort of be able to look into someone's eyes and you know hear them in their own voice describe how much your work has been meaningful for them and so experiencing that in in various cities around the U.S. really helped me to see that there was a place for me here in the U.S. and that there were real people here who I could support and and help and so that was certainly a tipping point but then as you'd mentioned, <laughs> I've been thinking about this for a really long time. It wasn't anything new, this idea, um, but I feel like I had a little window of opportunity uh, in 2018 um, where I guess 
I, 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 I really looked at myself and I said, look, you have been talking about this for a long time, but you haven't really taken action on it. Or indeed you've taken like little bits of action and then you've allowed yourself to um, fall back into what was easy or comfortable really because of, of fear, you know, a, a fear of the unknown really was the, was the exact fear that I had when, you know, I've got a community, I've got family, I've got friends in Australia um, and, and, and my life there was a good life. And so it wasn't like I was running away from anything, but it was for me, I guess, that uh, connection between my purpose and, and my mission, my desires and, and my dreams, if you will, from, from when I was a kid with this feeling that, you know, I probably needed to be real with myself. Like the only time I was actually going to move would be the time when I made the decision to move and I figured out what the next steps would be. Um, and so I remember sort of, you know, going into deep meditation with it. I did my deathbed test, you know, I did all of my, um, called out all of my, my tricks and my tools and my strategies with myself. And, and it was a new moon. And so in the Lunar Abundance Practice, we set intentions at the new moon, what it is that we want to call in. And I said, you know, in this moon cycle, I'm really going to call in um, my move to, to New York City. And I I figured out that I needed, you know, three, three specific things, you know, three concrete things. Um, you know, I needed to ensure that my visa status would allow me to, to make the move. I needed to make sure um, that I was able to... Um, you know, figure out and deliver on my various kind of work things that I had going on at the time. And uh, I needed as well to have somewhere to live. And so within, I would say the, the first two weeks, so from the new moon to the full moon, which is a two week period. So the first two weeks of that moon cycle, all of those three things presented themselves to me in a very magical way, which wow. is often what happens abundance practice and so I said well you know I really have to now go ahead and 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 walk that talk and make the decision and I can always come back if it doesn't work out but I'm gonna you know I'm gonna make a stand for my dreams here and so making the shift making the decision then was even though it was such a long time coming, um, you know, making the decision was like a, a sudden snap decision. And so everything then, you know, I wrapped up and moved out of my apartment and booked a ticket and, and I was on a plane and, and came over. And so the huge leap into the unknown paid off in the most extraordinary of ways. So my instincts were really correct there, but it was an example of just having to reach for the start a little bit. You know, it's like the, this particular star wasn't going to come to me. Like I had to go to New York City uh, to be able to really experience the, the depths of the magic that I have experienced here. Wow. I love that so much, Ezzy. That's so beautiful. And it's so crazy how quickly things come to you and like magnetize toward you when you decide, you know, when you kind of made that, that declaration and set the intention that you wanted to call in this move. That's so cool and magical that it flowed to you in, in that two week time frame. That's so incredible. And then the fact that you said yes, and like you, you went for it. I think that's always one of the key things too, because you know, you get that that instinct and that idea. And then it's kind of like that split second of, oh my God, should I do it? Should I not? This is my opportunity, but maybe I shouldn't. But like saying yes anyways, I think is is so key. So I love that story. That's an awesome story. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't really thought about it um, for a long time. So, you know, it was one of those things where once I made the decision, I was once I was in the flow of that story, it was, 
there wasn't a lot of time to <laughs> to stop and think because then that's when things really took off. Wow, that's so cool. And so how did this move to New York really open the door to your next step in your evolution and like kind of open the doors to what was next for you? Well, in a couple of ways. I think that, you know, firstly, being, being in New York, I started to hold a lot of events straight away because it was a great way for me to share the Lunar Abundance work. And it also was a great way for me to you know, meet my readers and to meet new people. And so one of the, the things that I experienced um, very quickly after moving to New York City is what is echoes of what it was that I was already experiencing with my coaching clients, which is that people were experiencing, um, you know, the, the aftermath of, of these toxic relationships. It felt like everybody that I spoke to in New York city had had toxic relationship and they were recovering from it and that they were also feeling in, you know, a deep state of despair around ever having a loving future again. You know, there was just, uh, I guess, a sense of this being it, you know, and sometimes I think New Yorkers have a bit of a, maybe a little bit of a, a stereotype for, for being a little, um, a little bit more on the cynical or the jaded side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I definitely found that I had a lot to contribute in terms of positivity and optimism and hope and really drawing on the post-traumatic growth principles, uh, which I have experienced in my own life and which I've learned through, you know, my, my studies, um, positive psychology and that type of thing. And, you know, there are ways that we can work with our own, um, our own engineering, if you will, you know, our own neural pathways, you know, we can actually, we have a lot more power and sovereignty within our own systems in terms of being able to rewire ourselves for um, positivity and optimism and hope and then become very magnetic once we also couple those positive beliefs with with showing up in, in specific ways to, to get really, uh, you know, new and positive and different results. And so I started to experience that just firsthand. These are the conversations that I was having over over and over and over again. And so for me, it did help me to really crystallize the, this work, which I thought I'd left behind in that, in that first career. But well, hang on a sec. It wasn't just like, it wasn't just my clients who, who were presenting with this issue. It was also like everybody I was experiencing um, in this city seemed to have this particular issue. It was all around me, you know, like being like a flock of seagulls or something. I was like, oh, <laughs> pay attention now so I think that the city and being in the city was the right place for me personally to be you know I felt that deep connection with the city and so it wasn't like a random city I went to it was the right city for me but it really helped me to um just being in the city and having those conversations and being open to those conversations and being like genuinely helpful and being caring and being a service to people then supported me to to come into alignment which with what is really I think my cosmic soul mission, you know, like healing the wounded feminine, but then also, I guess, being a catalyst of transformation for the feminine, um, in the world. And, and it brought me back into connection with that whole, um, you know, body of, of, of work just in a very different way, um, from my, from my first career. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. And I love how you described it as your, like your, your cosmic soul destiny. I think that's such a beautiful way of articulating it. I think that's, that's so cool. And then I want to pivot a little bit and talk a little bit about um, kind of talking about the the birth, death, and rebirth cycle, and especially trusting in the times when we are experiencing the death and the rebirth cycle. Because, you know, when we do make these big pivots, 
we are really being reborn all over again. And it really is like the phoenix burning down and the phoenix rising up and parts of that are really messy and uncomfortable. So how have you learned to lean into trust during that phase of the death and the rebirth? Oh, it's such a good question because it's like, that's one of those tough moments, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And really one of the things I found there is that the pain often comes in the resistance, Mm. you know? Like, you know, when it's time to let something go, it's usually harder and more painful to hang on, you know, once the use-by date has passed than it is to to actually um, open up to, to what's next, you know, the, the, the new birth and, and the phoenix rising maybe. And I think that, you know, one of the ways that I've had to come into a more, um, you know, loving relationship with this is to release my attachment to what it is that I thought something might be. And, uh, you know, letting, I mean, I haven't sort of, it's an interesting thing in a way, because it's like, I've, I've let go of, of lunar abundance in some ways, like it's still my personal practice. It's still my book. I had a journal, lunar abundance journal came out, um, very recently. So it's like, it's still a living, breathing, beautiful practice, which is alive in my life and the lives of, 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 you know, many women around the world. But there's also, I guess, a, a kind of release of it that I had that like, that would just be the work that I did forever. Like it would just be me doing the the moon work in the world um, and step being able to, to really release my attachment to any of that sort of lunar kind of uh, identity, if you will, because yes, it's, it's here and it's true and it's real, but there's also more, you know, there's, there was more that wanted to come through me. And so I think it was, you know, me probably like, honestly probably even like hanging on a little bit too long and too hard to that identity or that solo identity of, of you know the that 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 moon goddess kind of you know experience because that was like a really beautiful experience you know to, to be in the world as a moon goddess I really liked it um but it also there did come to a point where I felt like it was actually causing me more pain to hold on to that than it was just to to allow myself to open up and say, Hey, this can just be whatever it is meant to be in the world. And it can continue to be a sacred personal practice for me. Um, but I'm not necessarily going to continue to like host new moon and full moon events in New York city. And I'm not going to like continue to do, um, you know, live, um, live webinars and, and and that kind of thing at the new moon and the full moon, I'm going to allow that space to open for the next thing to come through. And so I think that's the, that's the, again, that fear of the unknown. And I think humans have a particularly strong aversion to the unknown. I think it's something which is like one of the most, um, like the human psyche or the human condition, you know, it's like we have, we have so much aversion to, to like that darkness that goes beyond, you know, us senses but really just tuning into the intuition and going hey you know there's there's if if you know if it's painful to keep hanging on to something you know that's actually a great cue that that actually it's time to let that go and allow allowing ourselves to sit in the discomfort of not actually knowing what's going to come next is going to be part of the journey of, of, of that, um, you know, seeding and creation process. And so, you know, again, like that's when Relove came through, which mm-hmm. is 
the new work, which is around helping women to find love after toxic relationships, but it couldn't have come through unless I, you know, I finally allowed myself the space and, and to, and to step back from something which I, I really deeply loved. Mm-hmm. I really resonate with so much of what you just shared as because I feel like I, I have been navigating my own phase of the, the death rebirth cycle since the summer, um, and kind of going through a rock bottom and I took time off for personal sabbatical and I was sort of that same feeling of like, man, there's some things I've been doing for so long and they're great, but like clearing the space for what's new and for what new wants to be to wants for what's new that wants to be born, I think is something that sometimes we forget that we have to like clear that energetic space if we do want to receive something new and come in and like letting it flow and being okay with sort of letting things go or like walking away and I love what you shared around you know if it's painful to hold on to it's a cue to to let it go and you know seeing that the pain really does come from that resistance I think that is such a really beautiful way of looking at it. Cause we can all think of times in our life when we're like, Oh man, held on for a little bit too long there, you know, could have let go a little sooner. So I love those two reminders. Those are really great. Yeah. And it, it's, it's like, it, sometimes it, it's a lot easier to let go of something when you know what's coming in next. It's like the real test, the real challenges when you let go of something exactly as you've said, and it's just a blank expanse it's just empty space (laughs) you know that requires real courage but you get real rewards on the other side of that yes totally that's so true that's so true and I wanted to talk a little bit as well about staying with that discomfort and practicing that trust are there any like tools you use or any I don't know mantras statements anything that you do to sort of you know keep yourself and keep your heart wide open during that phase of like surrender trust you know allowing in that phase of like when it's total silence and you're waiting sort of almost for like this next wave to come is there anything you do in that moment it's it's sort of ironic given what I've just spoken about but you know I do feel like connecting with my lunar intention through meditation every day is something which has which has always helped me navigate every transition in my life and specifically what that looks like is you know connecting in with an intention like what is it that I'm calling in and even if we don't know exactly what it is that we're calling in we can get some clarity through dialoguing with our heart you know with our soul with our inner wisdom with our inner voice you know we can we can have that conversation with ourselves either just by inner dialogue or on the page through journaling or with the nearest and dearest trusted confidant who um you know, we can ask to ask us questions and just to listen and and allow that that deeper wisdom inside of us to to bubble up and then connecting in deeply with the feelings and the physical sensations of that intention. You know, I knew that I wanted the next expression of my of my soul purpose to reveal itself to me. So even though I didn't know what that was, you know, I was very deeply connected with that intention and I was connected with the physical sensations and also the elevated emotions and pleasant emotional states associated with that particular you know outcome I knew I would feel a sense of like deep conviction like an ironclad conviction and confidence that whatever it was that I was doing was going to be absolutely you know on mission for the more evolved expression of myself in the world so really anchoring into the physical sensations on a daily basis this is what I mean by the by the lunar the lunar intention it's like for me that is a daily practice
practice of, of reconnection and it's a somatic practice, meaning that it really is connected to the physical sensations of the body and it's connected to, to those uh, pleasant emotional states like joy, a feeling of gratitude that, yes, this is coming towards me, a feeling of savoring, like, mm, I'm really enjoying, you know, the, the pleasure that comes with feeling so deeply connected to my purpose. And before I even get out of the bed, in the morning, you know, when I wake up, when I'm in that liminal space between uh, sleep and 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 being, you know, awake and coming into the day, I always connect in with my um, my intention for that particular month. And you know, in in this particular case, this transition took many, many, many moon cycles and many, many months. So it's like constantly having that um, that sense of connection back to the feelings. Because then, even if you're not seeing it manifest in the external world, there is an internal reality inside of yourself um, which you can connect with, which can support that deeper sense. Of, of trust in the world. Mm, I love that. Yeah, and those elevated emotions are so powerful. That's actually a practice I forget to use. I literally just wrote a note <laughs> to say, feel the elevated emotions in the morning and connect to my dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's so incredibly powerful. And of course, you know, joy, gratitude, these are such high vibrational states, you know, mm. you to you. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. States, but it's a daily practice to keep coming back and connecting with those elevated pleasant emotions mm -hmm. yes for sure there was a while back maybe two years one year ago I was really into Joe Dispenza's work and um I kind of I was I was just actually talking to my friend before this and we were just talking about his work so clearly it's a sign from the universe that I need to go revisit that <laughs> but it's so powerful to connect to those to those feelings and experiencing that and cultivating that feeling I think that's a really great you know way to kind of magnetize that future desire towards you closer and and also just because it feels so good I I love that I forgot about that so thank you for reminding me that's a good one you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> now I also want to talk a little bit about honoring the feminine because you know that the feminine and and the feminine energy is such a through line of your work and one of the things that you really articulate is that the feminine energy is very worthy and powerful so can you share a little bit more about um, why this is so and as a little like reminder for the listener that it is you know it's safe and good to step into the feminine and embody it yeah, I mean, I'll answer it in two different ways. And the first is that I really discovered inside of myself when I was working in the law, which, you know, whilst I was doing very purposeful, meaningful work, you know, I was living from the neck up in many ways. I was really disconnected from my feelings, from my emotions, like from my own body's natural rhythms and cycles and my own body's wisdom and, you know, all of the, all of the really, um, you know, juicy portals and pathways, you know, through to, to, to those beautiful feminine qualities. And, and what I mean by the feminine qualities are things like creativity and intuition and sensuality and, you know, feeling, being able to change state, you know, women are very, um, you know, have a, and of course we all have the, um, you know, the access to, you know, the feminine, again, like air quotes, feminine, it's, it's, it's really about the polarity, you know, it's the yin, it's the being, it's, 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 that's, that's what we're talking about here, not sort of men and women. Mm -hmm. Um, it does seem to me that women can access a lot of the time the feminine, you know, more easily and can, and can really lead and change states, you know, in a, in that emotional way with, with practice and connection. And that's something which I found through, through the lunar practice. And it actually made me a lot more powerful when I was really listening to myself, listening 
listening to my inner wisdom, like listening to my feelings and emotions, allowing them to be cues and listening to my intuition, um, allowing myself to, to feel into the next breadcrumb and then move forwards from, from that place. And so I though found that this is one of the things and, and, and working with the moon as a natural timekeeper and a moon as a mirror, a moon as a way for us to start to access, you know, these aspects of ourselves was the original, you know, lunar abundance practice. And when I started to talk about this with women, they were so fascinated because it, it spoke, I think, to a deep elemental truth, which we hadn't been taught or indeed we'd been um you know, trained out of, you know, if you will. And I certainly felt that way going to, to law school and working in the law, you know, I was actually trained to downplay those parts of myself and to really um, what was, you know, what was seemed to be celebrated and valued was my intellect and logical thinking and rationality and pushing and hustling and grinding and going all the time. Like those were the kind of, you know, modes of operating or the kinds of behaviors that got me rewards in the world. And so really starting to, to reconnect with these deep, um, you know, feminine yin aspects of myself and then discovering the power in what might happen when I really honored what it was that my body wanted to do. Um, so when I wanted to, you know, my body was telling me like, I need to rest. I need to reflect, you know, need to pull back, um, need to just feel, need to just be realizing then when I gave myself that opportunity, I'd have incredible breakthroughs and insights. And then I would have so much more energy to be able to, to move move forwards, um, you know, at the, at the next time. And again, this is sort of more, there's more uh, of the how to and the practical aspects of this in the lunar, lunar abundance book. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, really tapping into the power of this meant that suddenly I actually became so much more effective and productive in my life. Like I did my PhD in record time and I'd never worked so little in my life. And so I was like, this is just so fascinating mm -hmm. how the kind of concepts can have such incredible, um, you know, practical results in the world. No one's really talking about these in my circle. So that, that was that aspect of it. Um, and, and I think that's becoming, you know, more and more understood these days. And, you know, and then the other, other part of it is, um, you know, really looking and many of my clients that I work with now who are, who are looking to find love after having had, you know, incredibly destructive experience or very unhealthy, funky, you know, relationship dynamics in the past have actually found that they're, you know, what, what often tends to happen is that again, they've suppressed, you know, the, this deeper knowing this deeper connection with themselves and they haven't necessarily valued, you know, what it is that they, that they have to offer, you know, and so they, they might, sort of show up in um in a dating scenario you know, with a list of accomplishments or you know that type of thing and it's like oh no what about really you know tuning into your beautiful feminine essence and allowing yourself to to really value you know what that is and and, and what that could contribute um you know in 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 that in that dating process but if you've been through a, an experience where you've had um your entire sense of self and self-esteem and self-confidence you know deconstructed um but for someone else's, you know, as part of someone else's manipulation or exploitation or, you know, whatever it is, it's like it actually can require a, a reclaiming process to, to realize that, you know, these qualities of the feminine um, are actually, you know, incredibly, incredibly valuable, but incredibly sensitive, you know, as well. Mm -hmm. um, and 
think have had again you know can be can be targeted um because they do have huge hearts and they're big givers and they're carers and they're nurturers and they're willing to suppress you know what it is that they really need or want or desire and prioritize um you know someone else's desires over them again i'm talking about the kind of clients that that I work with um and it's uh you know it's a it, it can be a an experience you know for highly sensitive highly empathic you know highly giving giving women to go through this um this real like quite revelatory deep dive just to see well hang on a sec actually I am an extremely valuable person like this beautiful caring and nurturing and loving and giving you know I'm actually going like way over the top with with all of this because I have got you know the got the skill set I've got the abilities to do it but I'm not really valuing myself um and what I have to bring in the process and 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 the trouble there is is that if you're targeted by someone who is like going to take advantage of that um then that can actually do a real number you know on you and your and your self-esteem and you can actually conclude at the other end of that that well it's actually better to be by myself you know, it's actually better to be safe and to, you know, wall myself off and to put up those walls around my heart um, because, you know, the experience of being in relationship has been taken advantage of. So so there's a beautiful, deep, deep, deep process of, 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 of really kind of going in and reclaiming these beautiful feminine parts of ourselves and really deeply deeply valuing these parts of ourselves so then we're very very um discerning about who we then allow into our head and our heart and, and our life um and they need to treat us with a huge amount of, of of respect um and you know they need to prove to us that you know they're absolutely worthy of being able to to experience you know this this beautiful you know feminine mystery feminine essence that we have access to Mm, yes, so true. And this super well ties into your new program, Re-Love. So just as a little closing Q&A, because we're at time, but this has gone by so quickly. Um, if listeners want to kind of learn more, dive into this this work and, you know, check out your program, Re-Love, where can they go learn more about that? Yeah, so they can come over to my website, which is ezzyspencer.com, spelled E-Z-Z-I-E, Spencer, S-P-E-N-C-E-R.com. And I have a free video masterclass on my website if this if, if what I'm saying around the relationships and finding love is, is resonating. And the, the masterclass is all about really you know, starting to, to make the shifts necessary to, to build that beautiful sense of self and self-esteem and self-confidence and tap back into that optimism and joy around the future, you know, in, in the present moment as well, but having that hope for that brighter future and really feeling it and magnetizing it and to, and to really feel that courage to be able to put yourself out there again to attract real love. So you can just sign up for that masterclass on my website, ezzyspencer.com. And uh, you can also link to it on my Instagram, which is also Ezzy Spencer. Perfect. I will put all those links in the show notes. And then if listeners want to say hi or connect with you, where's your favorite place for people to swing on by online and say hello? Oh, I think Instagram is really, really fun because then we can, we can chat and I love, you know, chatting and connecting with people, with listeners. Uh, if anyone's read Lunar Abundance, I just love, you know, hearing about your intentions and how they really work because the new moon intention process really, really does work. And so I love hearing about all of your victories and all of the things. 
Amazing. And then lastly, if people want to order the Lunar Abundance Journal, congrats on that because that's new. Where can they go order that and find that one online? Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, so you can also click the link in my Instagram bio for the Lunar Journal as well, or you can visit my other website, which is lunarabundance.com, spelled L-U-N-A-R-A-B-U-N-D-A-N-C-E, lunarabundance.com, and you can buy the new Lunar Abundance Journal over there, or you can uh, get the original book as well, the Lunar Abundance book there too, and um, I think both of them are sold wherever books are sold as well, um, but on the Lunar Abundance website there's also some free downloads which are really cool so there is a free lunar planner which has all of the dates of all of the eight moon phases for the year ahead so it's like when's the next new moon when's the next full moon when are the eclipses there's a free lunar planner for that there's free meditations like a free new moon abundance meditation a free full moon releasing meditation and lots of other really like juicy journaling kind of downloads as well Perfect. I will put links to all that in the show notes. The, the the moon planners and the phases of the moon planners are so beautiful. And Lunar Abundance is such a gorgeous book, inside, outside. It's like perfect for the coffee table. I love that book and it looks really beautiful. So if you're also looking to, you know, up up your coffee table style game, Lunar Abundance is a great addition. <laughs> it looks gorgeous <laughs> on the coffee table. <laughs> I really want it to feel like essential embodiment of the practice. So I'm so happy that you love it. Yeah. And you know what? They always say you can't judge a book by a cover, but a good cover, I always think really helps. It really like, I just, it is a gorgeous cover and it's a beautiful book and congratulations on the new journal. That's really awesome. Oh, thank you so much. You are so welcome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Ezzy. This was so fun. I really enjoyed talking to you. You had such amazing insights and so many little golden nuggets of wisdom. So I so appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast today and chat. Well, you've asked amazing questions and it's been a real pleasure to jam with you. Oh, thank you. All right, my friends, and there you have it. Wasn't that good? I love this episode today with Ezzy. It was like everything I needed to hear. <laughs> so I so appreciate you, Ezzy, for coming on the podcast and hanging out with us for the hour. And P.S., like I said, at the top of the episode, don't forget to take the free quiz called What's Your Zone of Genius? And you can find that at kellytrack.com genius. That's kellytrack.com genius for your free five-page report on what your zone of genius is, how to build a business around it, what you can sell, how you can market in accordance to your genius, um, and what makes you stand out in a really saturated market. So that's all for you today, folks. I so hope you love this. Um, if you also enjoyed it, please make sure you take a second to screenshot this, upload it to your Instagram stories, tag Ezzy and I, and we'll go catch you over there on the, on the gram. So that's all, folks. Thank you so much, and I'll see you back here soon. Bye! Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If you love this episode, please take a second to share it with somebody that you know needs to hear this message. And if you feel so called and so moved, please write an honest review of what you think about this podcast in iTunes and leave me some stars. That would truly help me out on my journey to helping millions and millions of people. And until next time, have a lovely day and I'm so excited to see you back here soon.